You're listening to The First Gen Coach. I'm your host, Carla Santamaria, a civic engagement professional turned mindset and career coach. As a first-gen immigrant, college grad, and corporate professional, I have experienced firsthand the many struggles and challenges that first-gen professional Latinas and women of color often face when navigating unfamiliar and unfriendly corporate environments. In this podcast, I will share insights for career success and will feature inspiring and successful first-gen women to share their journey and their stories. If you're ready to tap into a growing community of first-gen professionals, you've come to the right place. Hello, first-gen friends. Welcome back to the show. Before we get into today's episode, I want to invite you to the free webinar that I am co-teaching tomorrow, June 1st, with my friend and fellow coach, Charlie Stover, at Traveler Charlie on Instagram. We are going to be talking about how to job hop your way to early retirement. Now, this is the first of its kind class because I usually see career coaches doing their own thing. And I've been there, I've been, you know, teaching classes both solo and with fellow career coaches. And then I also see money coaches and finance experts doing their own thing. But I don't often see, actually, I don't think I've ever seen something like this, which is why Charlie and I wanted to do it together. And we're going to be talking about how to job hop. So that's what I'm going to be leading job hop so that you get your first six-figure job. And then Charlie's going to be talking about how to leverage your employee benefits and how to max out your retirement contributions so that you can retire early and retire a millionaire. So that is tomorrow. And I'm so excited to learn from them because while I may have the first half of that equation down, I'm super pumped to learn the second half. So once again, that is tomorrow, June 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And the link to register is in the show notes of this episode. It's also at the link in my bio on Instagram. So you don't want to miss it. And if you're not listening to this live, head to the link in bio so that you can get the replay, which will be available for a limited time. Now, Today is the last day of Mental Health Awareness Month, so I wanted to bring on this episode and to bring on this truly amazing, amazing guest. Her name is Daisy Gomez, and she's a bilingual, bicultural, first-generation Latina therapist, speaker, life coach, consultant and educator from Chicago, Illinois. So Daisy is a powerhouse. She has a lot going on. She is the founder and CEO of Encuentrate Counseling and Consulting. She specializes in empowering first-generation, high-achieving professionals and helping them overcome the challenges that come with it. Imposter syndrome, stress, depression, anxiety, and generational trauma. Daisy is passionate about destigmatizing mental health within communities of color. She aims to normalize the use of trauma-informed, culturally affirming approaches in all her work, therapy, coaching, teaching, and speaking engagements. Honestly, 
Daisy and I were vibing. We have so, so much in common. We work with similar communities, with similar high achieving first generation people of color. And this conversation was so powerful. We talked about some of the challenges that, you know, our communities face when we are seeking therapy or once even we are in therapy, we talked about the difference between therapy and life coaching or even, you know, any type of coaching and when one might be the right situation when the other might be the right situation for you. We also, you know, um, we just talked so much about the mental health issues that affect not just our communities, but especially high achieving women of color and the stress that careers can have because you, as you know, and as I've talked about before, careers impact your mental health. So I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. So once again, remember to sign up for the webinar, job hop your way to early retirement, especially if you're feeling like you're at a job that is not contributing to your overall wellness, you can job hop on out of there. Okay. And even if you feel like you are thriving, then it is still a good idea to think about your next steps and it is still a good idea to pause and assess your overall wellness. So I am so excited to bring you this episode about prioritizing first gen mental health. Let's get into the show. Hi, Daisy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't we get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your story and how you got to where you are? Oh, wonderful. Thank you again so much for the invitation. It truly is an honor to be here today and share my story and a little bit about my background. So I'm Daisy Gomez. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois. I Just to give a little bit more context, I have a master's in community counseling an undergraduate degree in um, Espanol and in community psychology. Um, I'm a proud hija de inmigrantes. I am a sister, a daughter. Um, I'm also a beautiful and amazing, very dedicated tia of two. And I'm a very, very passionate mental health advocate here in the city of Chicago. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So I got my master's in community psychology. So I don't think I, people outside of my cohort of my program, I don't think I've ever met anyone who also has that degree. <laughs> yeah. The, the program that I graduated from was DePaul University here in Chicago. And I don't know many people outside of the city that have a degree in community psychology. And so, well, now I do. Yay! See, I knew we were vibing for a reason. <laughs> um, we had some connection already without even yeah. knowing. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit. You said that you're a proud and a passionate mental health advocate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So as a first-gen Latina, um, I'm very proud to say that I'm a first-gen Latina therapist. I'm bilingual. I'm bicultural. Um, I got into the field many, many years ago, actually over 10 years now. And um, since then, I've kind of been dedicated to using my knowledge and using my my Spanish and my English at the same time to provide services in the Latino community um, and educate others. One of the things that I'm very passionate about doing and I have the opportunity to do is, um, in some cases, I'm an adjunct professor at DePaul University. And in other situations, I have the blessing to be able to provide psychoeducational workshops. And so tapping into the power of knowledge and um, sharing resources and, and, and 
educating nuestra comunidad in what is mental health and how we can um, improve our mental health on our own, as well as like seeking professional support. That's really beautiful. Thank you. What would you say are maybe some common challenges that people face in maybe even seeking care or in once they seek care, like what are some challenges that you've seen? Yeah. So I've, I, I actually have been, um, in the field for, for over a decade now. And I started my mental health career, mental health, uh, as a mental health therapist doing community nonprofit work in the city of Chicago. And as, um, a bilingual therapist, I was able to see a wide range of, of patients from like a four-year-old little girl to like 65 year old woman, uh, immigrant woman. And so I have a wide range of experiences with with the Latino population and, and, you know, my own community. And so one of the biggest things is still stigma. And uh, a lot of us still don't seek support. We still think that like los trapos sucios se quedan en la casa, right? And so uh, kind of seeking that help is hard and challenging, especially when we're not used to it, right? And now in the last two or three years after the pandemic, we've seen a significant shift of like starting to normalize these mental health conversations in the home. Um, especially with communities of color. And so throughout my career, I've seen a lot of challenges in getting support, but more so staying in in therapy, right? Getting the help and then actually continuing with the services. Um, from very early in my career, I would get a lot of adolescents in the office and the parents would bring them in and say something like, you know, can you fix them? Here you go, fix them. Right. And then they would bring them a couple of sessions and they wanted a very quick and immediate fix, almost as if you were going to a doctor, getting a medication and then fixing the mental health illness or, or challenges. And so navigating that was very challenging at the beginning because there was still like a, a lot of disbelief that therapy works, that um, talk therapy specifically does change an individual for the for the better. Um, and so those are two of the main things I've seen. One, actually seeking the help and getting support, and then also staying in the service and trusting the process because it's lengthy, right? And it can take uh, an individual a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years to really, really heal some of the childhood traumas that we may have experienced in the past. Thank you so much. Yeah, it absolutely is not a quick fix at all. Um, you know, it, it takes time. So thank you for, for emphasizing that. So um, another question that I have is you said you've been in, you know, in the mental health field for, for over a decade. Has there been any experiences either personally or professionally that show up, that, that shape how you show up in the workplace? Absolutely. I can probably name a few, but um, I'll kind of share one um, that was probably the most recent one. And so as a first generation Latina professional, um, going into the mental health field where there is a huge need, there is a big need for bilingual therapists serving our communities and myself having such a big passion to helping others without feeling burnout too quickly, right? Um, and that's something that we don't really address a lot of the times when we're, as mental health therapists, um, burnout does happen, right? And it can happen very quickly when there isn't a proper system administration to support someone. 
and when we have this passion to serve and when there's a huge need. And um, I'm not sure if you know a little bit of Chicago. It's a beautiful city. It's a great city, but it's also a city that does need a lot of mental that needs a lot of mental health services, um, especially for our Latino community. And so um, at some point in my career, I didn't realize I had burnt out from doing so much work, um, serving at sometimes 50 to 60 clients per week or having them on my schedule, um, servicing five days a week and having a huge caseload on top of the administrative duties. And I was I am a really great therapist and I really love what I do. And so in the midst of being so passionate and giving so much, it was um there was a point where I didn't realize how disconnected I was from everything else except my career. And so I was hyper-focused on serving and helping and doing the best that I could in my job. Um, and it wasn't until I transitioned out of direct service. And when I mean direct service, for those of you who don't know, is seeing, ther seeing therapy clients back in person or virtually at this point. Um, and so I transitioned into what is my current full time position, which is business marketing for two psychiatric hospitals here in the city of Chicago. And so that took me away from, you know, seeing 10 clients a day. And it took me into a position of doing more marketing, doing more wellness workshops and trainings and presentations and educating the community at large within my capacity, which was the clinical background that I already have a very strong clinical background. And so it kind of opened the doors to a different a different area of my field. I think a lot of the times when we get a master's in counseling or a master's in social work or any related field where you can serve, the, where you can do direct service, it's graduate school and the system. And most of the employers will tell you like, you can, you, this is all you can do. And the reality is that there's so many things that we can do. And as first gens, because we don't know the pathway and we don't know how to navigate these new careers, right? Because my parents barely have a middle school education. And um, when you come from a background like that, whatever the professor tells you, whatever the system tells you, is kind of the path that you start to follow, right? Whatever society tells you is the expected um, path, it's where we go. And so once I removed myself from that direct service, I was really seeing that there's a abundance of opportunities that my career, that one degree can really take me. And so Taking this position really led me to reflect on how I want to serve and how I'm able to serve my community um, and my clients now. And it also led me to opening my private practice for therapy and coaching clients. And so on top of my nine to five, which I absolutely love doing, I have the blessing to be able to do what I love on my own terms, right? And so with that, I do specialize with working with first generation high achieving professionals. And it's such a difference to be able to prioritize my mental well-being while I'm also giving my clients, my current clients that I get to work with, the best of me at the same time. I I love that you are speaking my language. So I love that you had to pause and take a look at your career and pivot because there is such... There's so much power in pivoting. I think my first group coaching program was called like pivot powerfully, you know, and it was about <laughs> pivoting in your career because as, as you said, you know, this is something that I currently work with my clients. It's exploring those opportunities. Like what is out there? Because sometimes we don't know. And I mean, I never would have thought that 
someone who has a master's in, in counseling could be great at marketing. I mean, obviously like, yes, that makes sense. We can, we're, we have a multiplicity of things, but you know, but it's, it's that like channeling what you love. And I love what you said, that you're able to do what you love and in a way that you're still taking care of yourself. So that sounds again, right up my alley. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I also, can you like, do you have any advice for, you know, I, I, my, my listeners are primarily, you know, first gen professional women and first gen, you know, people of color who are unfulfilled in their careers, you know, or who they know, like who may know that they want something else, but because as first gens, like our parents may have supported us and encouraged us to get an education, but then what, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, so, so what advice do you have for folks who may be feeling like they're not in the right career, but they don't necessarily know what to, you know, what to do next. And I mean this from like a, you know, from like a mental health perspective. Yes. Um, wow. That's a lot, but it's very common as first gens for us to question if we're on the right path to question if we are doing a good job at whatever career that we're, whatever career we're in. Right. Um, and I think it kind of comes with the first generation experience and being a first generation professional um, in the field that imposter syndrome, that doubt of if you're doing a good job or not, or even questioning, are you doing what you really want to do? And so with that being said, I encourage a lot of self-reflection. I think taking time to really dig deep and, and get to know yourself. As for as gens, we are sometimes conditioned to just kind of take the next big opportunity or the next um, door that's open for us. But a lot of the times we don't stop and think, is that the right door for me? Is that the right choice of um, career that's going to make me happy, that's going to bring me joy? And I think that leads me to highlighting that one, you're already doing the best that you can as first gens, we have so many skills and our skill set is so abundant because we've been navigating the world basically on our own, right? From a very young age, whether you were translating for your parents or you were asking questions on the phone for them, or you were, you know, reading papers, legal documents that you never even imagined you would at the age of 12, right? And so recognizing that you have an abundance of skill sets and that you're you're great and you will be successful in really anything that you want, that you put your mind to. Um, and the second thing that I'll highlight is that, and I wish I would have heard this early in my career, is that you don't have to sacrifice your mental health for your career. Wow. It still gives me chills to remind myself of that and remind my my clients and remind um, those in my circle, right? I think we already have high dispositions of having anxiety and having depression in, in our families, even just coming from generations of trauma, right? How your parents immigrated here, how they lived here, what, you know, what conditions were you raised in? And so once we become professionals, we have the choice to heal ourselves and to really embark on that mental health journey, right? And so you don't have to continue to sacrifice your mental health if you have already done so. And so if you're feeling that stuckness or if you're feeling that this is not the right path, I 
invite you to really pause, reflect, get to know who you really are at your core without all the external pressures, without all the external expectations, especially as first gens. And think, how are you prioritizing your mental health? And if you're not, then I, again, I invite you to think about how you can start putting your mental health first, because no one else is going to do it for you. Your parents are not going to do it for you. Your employer is not going to do it for you. It is your responsibility to take care of your own mental health. I am like speechless. <laughs> you know, when you were speaking, I was cheering silently because Yes, you don't have to sacrifice your mental health for your career. There's some privilege there, you know, like, uh, especially as first gens, like our parents may not have had the opportunity to reflect and the opportunity to seek mental health counseling or to seek therapy or to heal from their generational trauma. But mm -hmm. we are in a position of privilege. Sometimes I feel guilt about my, you know, like nice life. <laughs> and even just like the way that I said that, and then I have to remind myself that literally the point of my parents sacrifice and leaving their country and bringing me here was to give me a better life. So I might as well mm -hmm. enjoy the better life that they've mm -hmm. given me and that mm -hmm. I've been able to build for myself. So yeah, there is privilege. And that's the whole point of us being here. And that's the whole point of us evolving as generations, right? That if you really think about the first gen guilt is very, very common, right? Um, we experience that duality of like feeling bad for having better opportunities um, and also feeling that joy. And you can have both. You can still feel a little bit of that guilt and you can also feel the joy of, it, of you know, taking opportunities and really being happy for taking that trip or being happy that you're able to heal your own traumas. And one of the things that I also share with a lot of my first gen clients is that as you heal yourself, you automatically kind of start to heal those around you. And so when they are in a position where they're feeling really guilty about their privilege or about the opportunities that they have, or they start to kind of compare themselves to their parents or their parents' experience, um, really think about how once you get the opportunity to invest in healing yourself emotionally, everyone else around you will start to also heal with you. So powerful. I tell folks that advocating for yourself is advocating for your community. When you advocate for yourself, you empower the people around you to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that perspective of healing, just, I wrote that down in my notes. So I'm going to put it up in my poster. It's beautiful. Thank you. It is really powerful to reframe or in, in reframe it that way, because again, a lot of us don't see it. And it's, it's a very individualistic approach when we do therapy, right? Because it's one-on-one -on -one therapy, but at the same time, once you start setting boundaries for yourself you and setting boundaries with your family, right? You're teaching them things and you're teaching them about mental health and the benefits of that. As an example, when you start taking care of yourself and prioritizing your mental health, and maybe not showing up to certain family parties if you don't want to, right? Then you are also teaching those around you how to set limits and how to prioritize their mental well-being at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get back to you are a therapist and you are also a life coach. Can you tell us what the difference is between therapy and coaching and life coaching? Yes, um, this is a really great question. And um, full disclosure, I started incorporating coaching services into my practice about 
four months ago, all my life, I was a therapist or most of my career was just a therapist, right? And then I, I made that career deviation into business marketing. And then I decided that I was going to do my private practice. And now I'm, I'm a businesswoman. Never thought I would be even do that, right? That Love was never, that for you. I, that was never in my traditional career path. I never thought about opening my own business. I never thought about doing my own private practice. I kind of always envisioned community work. But once I realized that, you know, being a supervisor in a community clinic or even a director of emergency services, which I was in an ER, was kind of like the top of what I can do. I had reached kind of like my maximum growth within those those settings. And um, private practice has allowed me to really heal in a different way. And it also has helped me grow personally and professionally in so many ways. And we can have a whole other conversation on just what that means, what that means and how that makes us um, really grow, grow on a mental health perspective. But um, when it comes to coaching, I actually added the service a couple months ago because it's a different way to support my community and to support first gens, right? So when we think about therapy, think about anything that encompasses healing or working with the past, processing emotions and deep experiences. In all or many cases, when we do therapy work, there is a mental health diagnosis or medical diagnosis that comes along with that and that is required to treat. And so that's essentially how therapy works. And then with life coaching, it's more of like the here and the future, right? So thinking about how I can support you, what are the immediate goals that you need support with and what where do you want to get? So getting someone from A to B. And with therapy, on the contrary, it's definitely digging deep into some of the more childhood experiences that impact the way that you're making decisions now as an adult. And so really thinking about therapy is kind of working from now to the in the past, going a little bit backwards into someone's upbringing um, and healing some of those generational traumas and generational wounds. And then coaching is more of like, okay, very strategic, very goal oriented. How can we get you from where you are now to where you want to be? There's so many really great pieces to life coaching, um, but I am going to highlight and share that it has been in a blessing to be able to service someone who has already kind of done some of the work in therapy. And now they're kind of ready for that accountability. They're ready for that next growth in their personal and also professional life. And so one of my recent clients, she definitely was very clear on the, the major things that she wanted to work on and had already gone to therapy. And so when we met for a consultation, it was uh, very powerful that but as a licensed therapist, I was able to notice and let her know, listen, like therapy just does not sound like it sounds like you're already kind of worked through some of the things that you wanted to work through. And then now you're kind of ready just for the accountability and moving forward. These are the goals that, you know, that you want to accomplish. So coaching sounds like a better fit. And I think that's also one of the great benefits of being a therapist because we have such an abundance of skill set, right? And so we're also able to make that distinction between when a client needs therapy and when a client needs coaching or when a client comes for coaching, but in reality, they need therapy, right? And so ethically and legally, we are um, responsible to kind of refer them or get them in the right service that they need. I love the way that you can use your skills and your passions to help our community in multiple ways. So thank you so much for that. Um, there's a question that I that I was thinking about. How can someone know if 
a therapist isn't a good fit is or is not a good fit because unfortunately what I what I what I know happens is that folks have one or two negative experiences with a therapist and then they think therapy isn't for them Mm -hmm. absolutely and that's a very common misconception I think first thing I want to say is that you have the right to change a therapist right Um, I think sometimes we there's a huge need there's um, long waiting times for some people and um, restrictions whether they're going to use insurance or not use insurance and how to pay for it and all the things there Um, and so recognizing that if you're not comfortable with the with the therapist right if you're not fully able to share who you are what you're thinking and feel virtually or physically safe with the with your therapist then maybe it's a it's a there's a big chance that you may need to switch therapist, right? The other thing that you want to kind of pay attention to is what is it that you're going to therapy for, right? With therapists and licensed therapists, we have specialties, right? And we have very specific backgrounds in certain trainings and modalities. And so if culture and your language is something that you want to prioritize in the work that you're going to do in therapy, then I highly recommend that you find a therapist that's bilingual, that's bicultural, that will have a better understanding of your own experience. So that's something else to really keep in mind as you're kind of looking for a therapist or once you have a therapist. Um, And then the other part that I want to kind of emphasize when, when having a therapist is a therapist can have all the education and all the training and have all the degrees and certificates. um, But ultimately it comes down to your core intuition and your core gut, right? And so do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel like this is a person that you can fully like evolve and grow with? Um, it is a re- it is a relationship that we create with the therapist, right? Um, and so don't be afraid to change therapists if you just don't feel like you're vibing or you're kind of connecting um, or if they're not fully understanding. I highly recommend that you have that conversation with your therapist, right? Um, especially in the beginning stages as you're getting to know uh, your therapist. Most of the therapeutic relationships in the beginning, they start off slow. You have to get to know your therapist or your therapist has to get to know you, right? And so let, I'm letting you know that in the beginning stages of therapy or doing the therapy work, it will feel very slow. It may feel even as if, um, you know, uh, you're not seeing any progress, but it does take time. And I think it does come with a lot of patience and a lot of intentionality. Um, and then again, as as many of us um, already know, you have the right to change a therapist, find a new one, right? And even your own therapist may be the one to start to tell you like, hey, I can help you find someone that is a better fit for you. Um, this is why the consultation calls are really important. So definitely take advantage if a therapist is having a 20 to 30 minute consultation call take it, use it, ask the questions and get a feel for what therapy may, may potentially look like with that person. Beautiful. I mean, I have so many follow-up questions, but I actually, um, instead of me asking all of the follow-up questions, I want to invite folks who, who do have follow-up questions and who, who want to learn more about you and your practice and how you can support them to learn more about where they can connect with you. So how can folks find you? Yes, thank you so much for that. Um, So uh, you can visit my website. It's www.encuentratecc.com. 
Um, I named my private practice Encuentrate Counseling and Consulting because essentially part of going and going back to yourself and kind of reconnecting with yourself. That's what Encuentrate means. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram. So it's Encuentrate.cc and um, schedule a consultation with me. And at the moment, I'm taking clients for coaching and I'm also taking clients for therapy and let me tell you summer is a great time to start therapy so if you're in the state of Illinois um, as you know I can only see clients in Illinois for therapy services but for coaching services I can see anyone from all over the world prioritize you and your mental health Love it. Let's, that is a wonderful, wonderful place to wrap up. Daisy, thank you so, so, so much for being here today. Really, I appreciate everything that you have shared, your insights. It has been really, really wonderful. And um, and then again, just lastly, can you just repeat your Instagram handle so for folks to easily find you? And I'll put it in the notes as well. Wonderful. Yes, please feel free to follow or ask any questions. It is encuentrate.cc. And on Instagram. Okay, great. Thank you. And if you've taken something out of this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, share it with someone who might enjoy it, might need to learn about this, and tag us. Tag Daisy, tag me. We definitely want to hear from you. All right. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Before we wrap up today, I want to remind you to download your free resume template and guide. This resume template is designed to help first gen professionals like you. Showcase your strengths, your leadership experience, and tell a powerful story. So if you are ready to make bold career moves, download your free resume template and guide at thefirstgencoach.com slash resume.